Hello and welcome back to Cloisterbell, a weekly Doctor Who podcast hosted by Liam and Rob. Hello and welcome to the Cloisterbell podcast. I'm Liam. Hello, I'm Rob. And today we're returning back to the Big Finish audio adventure, The Legacy of Time, looking at the fourth episode, Relative Time. Um, but before we get straight into that, we thought we'll have a bit of a preamble chat. So, Rob, how's it going? Good, thanks. Um, another busy day, but time to relax and have a chat. <laughs> All right, yeah. good, good. How's the weekend been? Uh, oh, it's the weekend, is it? <laughs> My brain's just all over the place. Okay, it is <laughs> Sunday. The weekend's been busy. <laughs> it's felt like a weekday. Oh, oh, that's not good. So how's your weekend been going? It's been quite good. Uh, caught up with a friend. We uh, we decided to... Well, we did a couple of things. We uh, we went to an art gallery and we were just like a, a couple of pretentious prats going, mmm, the art, and what does it all mean? So, so that was quite good fun. Uh, well, I had a bite to eat and then we went to the cinema to see Joker. Right. That's cool. Was it good? Yeah. Yes. Very good movie. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. I know it, it's, it's getting um, some interesting reactions from a lot of people because uh, when it was when it was doing the rounds in um, film festivals um, a lot of people were raving about it and then and then when it was doing so, uh, and then afterwards it seemed to get a bit of a backlash, and then there's been a backlash against the backlash. It's it's really odd the reaction that the, the movies uh, is getting, and um, you know, but I think it's a really good movie. Thoroughly enjoy it. I do recommend it, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to be a movie that's for everyone's cup of tea. And I think if you're going in to see it, if you're going to see the Joker thinking is going to be a typical DC action adventure movie then it's it's definitely not that it's more of a psychological thriller slash drama type thing that's great um yeah uh, so I really enjoyed it I thought um thought the 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 story was really good it was realized very well um I was really surprised to find out that it's from the director who gave us the hangover movies really okay yeah uh, movies I am not a fan of um have you sat where... through them all well, in all fairness, no. I've only seen the first one, and that was enough. Just, just not my cup of tea. I, I, when I when I went to the cinema to see that, it was um, I was the only person in the cinema not laughing. It was just like, what's yeah, not my <laughs> cup of tea. Um, but yes, so, so I was quite surprised that this movie is directed by the same you know someone who's directed one of the worst movies, in my view ever made and then he's made this which i think is a very well put together movie and one of the things i quite like about it is the um i don't want to give too much uh, too much away but there's there's bits of the movie because uh, where you're not entirely sure where what you've seen has actually happened or if it's okay. all in the joker's mind and then later on it's sort of clarified a bit but there is that sort of question mark um which i really do like um as I say, I could easily talk a lot more about it, but I don't want to give any spoilers away, but it is a very good movie in my view. That's cool. So it breaks away from the kind of superhero mould that we've got. Do you think it's something we've seen before in cinema, though? Or is it kind of... Um, is it kind of... Does it feel quite new? The whole idea it, of it? Um, I mean, obviously, we, we've seen lots of movies in the past to do with uh, psychological drama, uh, psychological thriller. So it's not new in that sense, but I think 
it certainly brings something new to um, the Joker in cinema form. I think if you're a big fan of, of comics, you will recognise uh, elements of things like The Killing Joke, which is in there. Uh, mm. And then if you're fans of cinema, you'll recognise there's a sort of thing of um, taxi drivers in there, uh, the King of Comedies in there a bit. Um, so you'll recognise the tropes, but in terms of DC, it's very new. Uh, and as I said, in terms of bringing the Joker to the big screen, it, it's new in that sense. Yes. Um, and because over the last uh, few years, we've had these big mammoth action-adventure films you know, fr- from comics... Uh, whereas this is is more subdued and a lot more darker, so it's new in that sense. Yes, I love the whole idea of DC kind of um, bringing in this new continuity because you've got DC's equivalent of Marvel that's going on now, and Jared Leto. Am I pronouncing that right? Who played the previous Joker? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah. In Suicide Squad, obviously, this is not the same incarnation as as that Joker, um, but. The DC Universe is continuing, and we've got the Birds of Prey movie out next, um, featuring Holly Quinn, um, mm-hmm. referencing her Joker. Um, so it's it's interesting that we've got this two continuities going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if um, Jared Leto's Joker is done with the role or not. I don't know. No, I'm not sure. I mean, in terms of Bird of Prey, the DC movie there with Harley Quinn, I think... Um that's very much, as you said, in the continuity of Suicide Squad and uh, Leto's Joker. So that's, yeah, so, so I know what you mean, but um, it's interesting that you've got these two continuities going on. I mean, it's a bit funny with um, with what's going on with DC and Marvel, because I think, Mar- cinematically speaking, I think Marvel has, has pretty much won with what they've done. I mean, I haven't seen all of the Marvel movies, but uh, the 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 work that's gone in, the the continuity that they've managed to establish with the Marvel universe, I think, you know, is is absolutely incredible. Um the DC movies in comparison are a bit sort of yes. patchy. Um the continuity is so phenomenal with Marvel. I, I've watched the entirety of the MCU countless mm-hmm. times. And I fail to see any continuity problems, um, apart from possibly recasting certain mm-hmm. characters. But it's pretty flawless, um, especially when you compare it to the likes of X-Men, um, which changes the continuity with each film <laughs> it brings out, which is a bit of a headache. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I don't think Marvel would, at the moment, it doesn't look like they'll bring out any standalone movies, does it? I mean, they could they could go ahead and reboot Iron Man as a standalone series, possibly like in a separate continuity, couldn't they? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's interesting what DC are doing, yeah. Yeah, and I think with uh, with Joker, they they've actually said that this was always designed just to be a um, a single movie with, with right. no sequel. Uh, and I think actually, given given how good this movie is, there's scope there for them to do a sequel. Yes, but. Um, given that their approach was it, they were approaching it from just telling a good story in a one-off movie. I think maybe that's the approach that they should take because they've got this vast array of, of characters that they could use. So you, we've got the origin story of, of Joker in this movie. They could just leave it at that. But um, but 
the friend that I saw it with, he was basically saying it would be quite good if they took this sort of approach and they did like a penguin or okay, you know, or like a, or a Catwoman movie. I know we have had one of those in the past, but um, <laughs> that wasn't particularly great. Um, so there's the scope to maybe go back and do do a good Catwoman movie. But anyway. That's good. I like the idea of doing standalone films. There's so many films that claim to be the first in a sequel. And they always say, you know, we're holding off on the good ideas for the second and third film. And then it never gets renewed after the first film. It's no, like no. with um, with Terminator. The latest Terminator is the third attempt at a trilogy. It's like... Oh, yes, because I uh, I, that completely passed me by that there was going to be another... Terminator movie, or if it did, I completely, or if it hadn't, I completely forgotten about it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, saw the trailer for that, um, and yeah. Uh, well, I think the the trailer is probably holding off on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but it still looks a little bit underwhelming. You know, expectations are going to be really high. We've got Linda Hamilton back as um, Sarah Connor. And yes, which was, of uh, which course, was... um, Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger will always be back. You know, he's been back for every reboot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but of course they did that thing in the trailer where Sarah Connor says the line, "I'll be back." Um, yeah, just like she says the line, but it's averted because she's the one saying it. Um, yes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you never know. I might, I might, you know, may go to the cinema to see it, and you know, actually go. You know what? That wasn't too bad. That was quite enjoyable. But yeah. um, I, mm. interestingly, I was I was quite hyped for. Terminator Genesis, the trailer, until I saw the actual film. Um, but now with this new one, Dark Fate, I'm a bit underwhelmed by the trailer. Maybe that's a good sign. Maybe it'll be good. Yeah, maybe that is a good sign. <laughs> but you never know. Sometimes it might actually be, you know, quite good that you're going in with low expectations. Yes. You go, you know what? That movie actually yes. surprised me, and it was quite good. Mm-hmm. I'd love one day to just completely boycott a trailer that for something I want to see. You know, I know I'm going to go and see it anyway. Mm-hmm. So it'd be nice not to know a single thing. Can you imagine? That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's true. Uh, I was just about to say that was the case with Joker for me, but then that, that that's not actually the case. <laughs> I'd actually seen uh, the trailer a couple yeah. of times. So you'd probably uh, see in the beginning, the middle, and the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember watching a trailer um, for some cheesy kind of spider movie. It was one of our one of our friends' houses. And... Um, in in this trailer for this straight to video movie, um, the trailer showed them blowing up this giant spider at the end, and it was like that was the, that was obviously the climax of the story. So they actually showed the end of the movie yeah. in the trailer. Well, right. we, we don't need to see it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Yeah, there should be some law put into place where they're only allowed to um, compile a trailer with like the first five minutes of a movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, there was. There was some question because uh, on Saturday, so this was the f- um, the fifth of October. It was James Bond Day uh, because fifth of October, nineteen sixty two, was when Doctor No, the very first Bond movie, was released. Yeah. Um, and so there was there was some question of whether they were going to release the trailer for the next Bond movie. Um, but I was quite surprised people were thinking that because this because they'd only wrapped up filming. Yeah. Uh, a couple of days beforehand, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they, they would have they would have had material to maybe play around with, but um, I was surprised people were kind of expecting a trailer yeah. uh, th- this early on. 
I feel like whenever they release a trailer, it's going to be popular. So I don't think they need to um, rustle something up quick, you know, <laughs> just for the views. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although uh, there's a lot of expectation now for the for the trailer for the next uh, <coughs> series of Doctor Who. And a lot again, there seems to be some expectation that we'll probably get our first teaser trailer sometime this month. Yeah. I love that we're actually seeing production photos now. You know, when we had that brief time when we thought, is there even going to be another series? You know, is Chibnall gone? Is Whitaker gone? <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, there's, there's always that rooms. doubt. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, you kind of believe it because, you know, there's good and bad points about that last series. And there was bits, a lot of it that was underwhelming, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. aspects of it so there's always that there was always that thing in my mind of um maybe this wasn't good enough and that oh, i'm just going to come do a complete um restart <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean um we're going to be looking at uh the woman who fell to earth um very soon again yes. but um just as a quick uh aside see looking back on it now i think with uh series 11 because i think we were probably quite positive with a lot of our reviews of of the stories, yes. Um, but I actually think that it was just an okay series, and it's 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 one that still provides a lot of um, a lot of. It seems to instill a lot of passion in people still. So you know, you've got some people who 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 rave about it and say it's the best series ever, mm-hmm. or, or one of the best. And then on the opposite uh, side, you've got people who go it's it's the worst ever and it's just absolutely appalling. And I'm so, and I'm just sort of thinking. Well, I don't see how the series that as it was instill instills this much passion because actually, on the whole, it was okay. Yeah, it was just okay. Don't get me wrong; there were some cracking good stories in there. You know, Rosa was absolutely fantastic. I really uh, enjoyed the Witchfinders. Kablam uh, was good. Um, and as we mentioned recently, the finale was pretty unmemorable. Yeah, and then but yeah, then I was going to say. But so, then, and then resolution kind of acted as a good finale, didn't it? Yes, that that was uh, fantastic. That was uh, that was really rather good. Yes, and uh, brought the creepiness back. Yeah, uh, with the with the Daleks, which was good. Yeah, I'm always happy to see the Daleks. <laughs> oh yeah, I am as well. But I, I still because th- th- one of the things that I liked about Chris Chibnall's approach was that he was going to give uh, the returning villains a bit of a rest. Which yes. I think was was I thought was a good move, especially with the dogs because I do think they have been massively overused. Um, so when it was then so then when it was revealed that actually the Dalek is going to come back in the New Year special, I was just oh, oh okay. But actually the, the the story was absolutely brilliant. I went I'm pleased you've done that. Yeah. But that was because you brought it back in a very very good story. Yes. Felt dangerous and, and mm-hmm. fresh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we weren't kind of lumped with the uh, 2005 design, which feels quite dated now. <laughs> really? All right, good. I mean, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'd quite like to see a new uh, design Dalek. Um, I, I'm not sure I would say that that design's dated. I know, I didn't mean dated, but it, I'm kind of grown tired of it. Ah, yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, I, in that, yes, I agree with you in that, in that side. Yes. Yeah. And I know I've mentioned this before uh, about the new paradigm Daleks. Um, how I feel if it is the case that the they abandoned that idea because of fan reaction, I think they might have buckled a bit too soon. Yes, I think so because uh, it was a, if if that is the case, which the indication seems to be at the moment that 
that's what happened. They did buckle to fan reaction. I do think it was a bit of a shame. There was an interesting idea there, and I wish they sort of had the strength of their own convictions and went along with it. Yeah. Um, it would have it would have been interesting to see what Stephen Moffat had in mind, and I wish. That, yeah, I agree with that because now, I mean, I wasn't a massive fan of Victory of the Daleks, but um, that was one element of it which I thought was it was a good, which was good for the story and good for the series. It was introducing this new dynamic with the Daleks, and then it just suddenly stopped. It's strange and, because we we knew the the old design was gone because we had this iconic moment where the new paradigm Daleks destroyed the old ones and it felt really symbolic didn't it yes it did and it was uh yeah i thought i thought that was a, a tremendous scene yeah yeah never mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is, it is what it is and it doesn't look like we'll be um we'll ever get them back which is something yeah. disappointing but never mind hopefully chibnall won't buckle the fan reaction and walk <laughs> <laughs> no and um the I mean, what people are saying now is that um, there was some legitimate criticism of the way that Series 11 um, was finally realised. So there's there's some there's some sort of talk of basically saying he's listened to the constructive criticism. Yeah. Um, and maybe Season 12 will basically build on the strengths of what has been established. And But then... Um, funny enough, because one of the things that I, I thought would be quite interesting to see is how modern Doctor Who doesn't do a story arc. Um, you know, we just have these individual adventures. And yes. I was quite looking forward to that. Um, there's no reason why that approach can't work, but may- maybe New Doctor Who needs that. Maybe it does need a constant story arc. It does, and it needs a climax, doesn't it? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So, what are rambling on? We haven't even reached the main review of t- of the day yet. <laughs> no, but no. Before we do get there, um, mm-hmm. I think it's time for. The Doctor Who predictive text review. Yes, um, which we did uh, again. We uh, we didn't do it for the last week's podcast, um, which was the Doctor's daughter. Mine came up with a very odd one. Okay. Well, it, not odd. In the, well, you'll know what I mean when I say it. So, the Doctor's daughter. My predictive text came up with the Doctor's daughter is a very merry Christmas. <laughs> now I don't know why my predictive text has come up with merry Christmas because I haven't I haven't texted that in. <laughs> over a year so I don't know why um, my predictive text is uh, bringing up stuff about Christmas but there you are Oh, well I've just done one the doctor's daughter has been a great day at work <laughs> alright okay <laughs> um, and of course the topic of today is relative time that is the mm-hmm. title isn't it <laughs> yes yes it is yeah. Okay, okay relative time is the best way to get to the next time trailer is available in the time controller. Right, mine's come up with relative time to change that in order for us both to stay in touch with you. <laughs> Very profound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, um, relative time. This is uh, an episode written by Mark Fitton, and the uh, plot synopsis that Big Finish has provided for this episode is disastrous. Sorry, disaster strikes inside the time vortex and the fifth doctor is thrown together with someone from his future. Someone claiming to be his daughter. Kleptomaniac Time Lord the Nine believes it is a chance to steal something huge, but Jenny just wants her dad to believe in her. Cool, so Jenny's back. Um, We obviously reviewed the doctor's daughter last week on the podcast. I think the way Jenny's been portrayed in this story um, is a 
big improvement from the last episode, do you think? Yes, I think so. She feels um, more... She she feels more like a fully fleshed out character. And um, one thing that we perhaps didn't say in the Doctor's... When we were reviewing the Doctor's Daughter is there was maybe a little bit of... Maybe she was a little bit irritating. Not Mm. hugely. uh, But this... uh, Certainly when you compare it to Relative Time, because Relative Time, I think she's far more likeable. Mm. Yes. She feels more more of a legitimate daughter and an accepted character, doesn't she? Yes, yeah. Which yeah. I guess we'll go into in those certain parts of the story. Before we do continue, shall I read out some responses we've got on Facebook? All right, yes, go ahead. Well, the wise doctor, spelled D-O-C-T-A-H, said... One of the best of the set being included with the nine. The relation of the fifth and Jenny is just amazing to listen to and ironic considering considering their relationship of father and daughter in real life. The idea of the vortex in space is wonderful and full of possibilities. One of my favourites in Legacy. All right, okay. That's uh, that's a nice uh, positive review. And yeah, I agree uh, hearing... um... The Doctor and Jenny relate in this episode is, is really rather nice. And of course, uh, given that the fact... I mean, I think really that this was just a... The episode was probably structured under the conceit that, oh, we've you know we've got these two actors uh, who, who are actually uh, related and in the world of Doctor Who. So I do think it was constructed around the conceit of we can have Peter Davison with uh, Georgia Moffat acting together. And, and they do play their parts really well. Yes. It was nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah, and with regards to um, the story possibilities um, within the vortex, that's an interesting idea of perceiving it as as space that you can um, you can have a story set in. Um, there is another story which relates to this, but I'm going to bring that up later. I'm wondering if it's a connection that you've made. Um, Simon on Facebook said, possibly my least favorite because I love the others more no fault of its own mm-hmm. I think that's a fair point to make it's the worst but it's not terrible <laughs> yeah no no I mean that's the thing it's sort of uh, it, it's a bit of a shameless sort of modern day criticism where it used to be the case where you know when someone said it, you know such and such is my least favourite uh, and then that didn't necessarily mean that you disliked it but now you do have to have you do have to have that sort of that caveat of saying this is my least favourite but that doesn't mean I hate it um <laughs> But no, so that that is a good point. So yeah, relative relative time is his least favorite. That but that doesn't mean that he you know completely dislikes it. So yes. yeah, no, that's fair enough. Fair enough, Simon. And uh, to be honest, uh, um, I was going to hold off on this, but um, I actually agree with Simon. Of, I mean, we've still got two more episodes to listen to, um, but of the ones of the legacy of time so far, this is my least favorite. Ooh. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but yes, there's some, some um, good points to it. Some vast improvements over the Doctor's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, in relation to the ones we've listened to so far. Um, yes, it is Miley's favourite too. But we don't need to wrap it up yet. Let's actually review the thing first. Oh, do I have to? All right, okay. Oh, okay. I, thought that, I, thought that, I thought that'd be enough. Okay, right, so okay. let's go through some story points. Um, as the story kicks off, the Doctor is returning to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. So this sets this 
before uh, Time Flight, is that right? Well, yeah, I mean, that that was a bit confusing. So um, I thought, is this story set in the middle of Arc of Infinity? I'd expect so. Um, which is after Time Flight, uh, but before Mordron and Dead. Uh, I can't remember. Actually, what was the, the story that followed uh, Arc of Infinity? Anyway, I think it was Snake Dance, actually. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I, so I thought was that this is set in between um Arc Infinity just as he's uh just as he's left Gallifrey to head head toward um to Amsterdam. Well I'd say very yes, it could be. Um it could be set anytime really because he loses his memory at the end, so he might not quite get on with his journey to Amsterdam. He might get sidetracked. Hmm. Well no, I mean he loses his memory in relation to this adventure. Yes. I know uh, that, yeah. And then, and then, so just, I mean, but yeah, I mean, you make a good point where, you know, maybe there's some, uh, maybe there was just one day that he just fancied going to Amsterdam. It's got nothing to do with Arkham's Infinity. Of course, um, we haven't listened to the Jenny audio series, have we? But um, Jenny knows the word TARDIS when she says, oh, is that a TARDIS? Mm-hmm. Was that something that was mentioned to her in The Doctor's Daughter? I'm not sure. It um it hadn't actually occurred to me. I I just I, to be honest, I just took it for granted that she she knew what the TARDIS would be. Yeah. Um. So uh, t- yeah, I, I hadn't actually considered the point. I uh, yeah, I just took it for granted that yeah. she would know what that was. But just curious. I wasn't bringing it up as a uh, awful continuity error. <laughs> Obviously, there's <laughs> a million ways to explain that. Um, I loved when she ended the first scene when she said in um. Who exactly are you? And it runs to the um, the Peter Davison music, which is yep. which I love. What probably yes, my, probably yeah, I... my favourite. And the nine is introduced, and you haven't. This is your first story um, involving the character. Did you find that um, easy to get into with the nine? Well, I'd because rem- you'd actually mentioned his character uh, quite some time ago about. Big Finish had created this character, the Nine, and sort of explained what he was about. And I thought, oh, that sounds really good. Um, and I actually think um, that allowed me to easily get what what was going on with the character. Although I think I would have cottoned on that there's multiple personalities going on with his previous regenerations, which I think is an absolutely yeah. fantastic idea. Um but I remember after I listened to this episode, I asked you something because I think as an introduction to the character, this doesn't. It's it's a bit of a shame. I think um, I think it probably would have been beneficial had I been introduced to him uh, it, with another story, because it seems to me that we've got the nine, which is the, who is a time lord, who's has got this brilliant idea that he hears all the basically get sort. Of, He's got multiple personalities due to his different rege- previous regenerations, who then try to take over. Yes. and I think that's a really good idea. Um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, th- what they do with that. And I know he's a villain, so it's you know, he's quite dark. But here, he just seems to be completely interested in stealing stuff. Uh, yes. and he describes himself as a kleptomaniac in this story. And I went, "Is what? Is this? Is this all it is? He's basically sort of the meddling monk." but with split personality. So I was disappointed with that. And then I texted you after I listened to it and went, is that all he is? He's, he's just this kleptomaniac. But you actually said, no, he's uh, he's a lot more villainous in his other stories. And I went, right, okay, that's fine. 
because otherwise i yes. think this would have been a, a waste of that idea um mm-hmm. and I, so i like the idea i like the, i like yeah. the uh the actor who plays the part and the, the different voices and so on uh and the kleptomaniac element works in this story but as i said it's it, it's a bit of a shame i'm introduced to the character through this story because in that sense, I thought, oh, it's a bit of, it's a bit underwhelming. You know, you got this great idea. Yeah, it's not not as compelling as it probably yeah, could yeah. be. Yeah. Um, there is a story coming out next year. I think it's early, early twenty twenty. Um, called Dark Dimension, and it involves um the seventh Doctor and this character, because when he was introduced in Doom Coalition, it starts off with this idea that he was an adversary of the seventh Doctor. So there's a bit more backstory to delve into. Ah, there. right. Okay, right. Yeah, that sounds promising. Um, mm-hmm. But having said that, though, so it'd be quite interesting to see if um, if there are any adventures or if they do further adventures with the nine with the fifth Doctor, because I think actually, mm-hmm. that given the personality of the fifth Doctor and how um, potentially twisted the nine is, I think that's uh, that could be quite uh, an interesting. Uh, dramatic dynamic uh, so i'll be interested to see if um I mean, are, are there any stories with the fifth doctor and the nine other than this that you're aware of uh, no no not that believe not that i know of um i just know that he's in doom coalition one to four and i've only listened i'm only on season two at the moment <laughs> so i'm not um qualified to say too much about the character um but he also is in ravenous which is one of the latest um, Paul McGann four-part mm-hmm. series. Yeah. So finally, um, Jenny and the Fifth Doctor are pushed together. Um, we learn some of Jenny's skills. She's very perceptive, like the Doctor is. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, we learn that she's um, possibly telepathic as well. Um, I wonder if um, the fact that she's Time Lord would account for the whole backflips. Because I think we were saying last week, um, what makes her so special? If she's just a human, a human kind of clone, uh, how can she do? How she got all these skills? But I guess she's not a human; she's time lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love how the Doctor's quite confused just just how he was in Time Crash. It even gets a mention, doesn't it? Um, when they're speaking to the Captain, Jenny states that um, they did stop a Time Crash uh, reference in the the minisode of the same name. Yeah, and I. So the way that um, the Doctor's written in this, I think... Because when I watched uh, Time Crash, I thought uh, the way that the Fifth Doctor was written, although it was very well and I really liked that minisode, um, it isn't. It doesn't necessarily tie in with how the Fifth Doctor was written in, during the, and performed during the 80s. Do, do you think that? No. Um, maybe the grumpiness came with his age. <laughs> you know, he's been aged in the story. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, I could be explained that way. Um, so, uh, with relative time, I think they sort of like they've, they've smoothed it over a bit. So he is very much, you know, the, the Doctor that we know from the eighties. But um, there's a there's a bit more of a um, more modern reading to it. So it sort of gels that element of the Fifth Doctor as we see in uh, the eighties and in Time Crash. And Peter Davison, obviously, a great actor, and he put, performs it really well. Oh yes. But it's, you just have to remember he was, he was so young back then. <laughs> and, um, yes, you, yeah, you, yeah. You can't was, write I mean, him as an old guy now, can you? No, no, and yeah, he was because uh, I think he was twenty nine when he was first cast. Yeah. I remember he was once asked um, in an interview, 
do you try and make yourself sound 20 something on the audios <laughs> but um he doesn't <laughs> no <laughs> yeah i think that would be weird trying to elevate your yes, voice do like a child's voice <laughs> <laughs> oh god that'd be so creepy <laughs> When they do mention time crash, the Doctor seems intrigued by her choice of words. Um, do you think he's relating these words to the the actual time crash that he had with David Tennant? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the way that Jenny's been written, I mean, obviously she's very much her own character, but because how she came into being, th- what they've tried to do is have certain certain choice of words obviously emulate the sort of way that the Tenth Doctor would communicate ideas so you know wibbly wobbly timey wimey gets uh, chucked in there from from uh, from blink yeah. uh, which became a sort of a sort of catchphrase of that period if you like um, maybe yeah i was i was wondering here jenny mentions the wibbly wobbly yeah. and could she be piggybacking this back to the fifth doctor because of course the fifth doctor says it in time crash so he knew the words and um, mm-hmm. the the tenth doctor also said it to the fifth, but when um, he's obviously, it causes a bit of a loop here. Um. <laughs> yeah, and then with day of the doctor, with the, you know, when the war doctor hears uh, wibbly wobbly, he's going, you know, what are you talking yeah. about? And then and then cheekily, tenant's doctor says, I know, I don't know yeah. where he gets it from. But of course, uh, um, Davison's doctor does not retain the events of time crash or relative time does he so he only subconsciously remembers the wibbly wobbly <laughs> <laughs> oh bloody hell Rob my brain hurts uh, yes <laughs> Come up, my wife says how do you have so much to talk about Doctor Who it's like you just watch it and it's like, was it good or was it bad I think we read too much into this <laughs> I think we do yeah, yeah. Does she ever listen to what we talk about? I don't think so. <laughs> Probably just as yeah. well. Um, we did revisit Time Crash in one of our older podcasts, if anyone wants to check that out. It was titled... <laughs> oh, I'll get to this in a minute. It was The Curse of Dimensions in Time Crash. <laughs> Which I love that title. Yeah. Cause you came up with that one. Yeah, because uh, with <laughs> that we, we looked at uh, Dimensions in Time, uh, Time Crash... Um, uh, curse of fatal death the curse of fatal death yes. yes Um, and it also has our busiest album art ever <laughs> oh it's a thing of beauty it has to be seen to be believed <laughs> yes <laughs> so um, the Doctor and Jenny it seems apparent that they're on a, a time cruiser with a space cruiser in the time vortex mm-hmm. which is an interesting concept being pass- passengers yep. in the vortex, but not on the mm-hmm. Taurus. Um, I love when she says, uh, "Lock them in the brig, uh, secure them in economy." <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that line. I thought, yeah, that did make me chuckle. I thought it was great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> secure them in economy. <laughs> ah, yes, that yeah, that was really yeah, good. One of my favourite lines. Um, we get an interesting um, duo. The the nine meets Thana. Is that a name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm. I'm only. I don't know if she's a character that comes pops up in the future because, like I said, I'm not. Um, I haven't listened to all of the the nine's future stories. Um, but she's an interesting character. At one point, I was wondering if she was a siren. 
Ah, oh, right, okay. Because but, um... the, the Nine's first incarnation believes they were long extinct. And I thought, well, if they're extinct, maybe she's not what she's, she claims to be. Yes, that's true. Uh, that is a possibility, yeah. Uh, and actually, we seem to be getting, a, again, because even though these are individual stories, they're, they're contained within this bigger idea that there's something which is causing problems in time to begin with. Yes. And we seem to be getting a little bit closer to finding out what that maybe is. Uh, so we're finding out that the um, that everyone's stuck in the time vortex. There's been this explosion. And the Nine finds out that the explosion seems to be emanating from the very first TARDIS. Yes. Yeah. And of course, the Eighth Doctor um, deduced that this planetoid in the first part um, was the remnant of an old TARDIS, an ancient TARDIS, um, and he, he, he said it was experimental. And of course, the Nine uses the words possibly the first TARDIS. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, so as you said, that was uh, the first episode in Lies in Ruins, which set up everything. Yeah, so we seem to be getting a little bit closer to finding out what it is. So, is this in relation to Omega, do you think? I don't know, because I don't know I don't know the extent of Omega's involvement. I, there was, you know, it's been, it's probably been 10 years since I've listened to this, so I probably should, should have done a bit of research before tonight. But there is an Eighth Doctor story in the monthly range. Mm-hmm. With Romana, I think... Uh, I'm probably totally wrong about this. Maybe I dreamt the whole thing. But um, <laughs> they they go to a planet and they believe it. They believe this planet is Rassilon's TARDIS, this ancient TARDIS. Ah, right, okay. And it turns out that it's not quite the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- there was a bit of a similarity there. But I don't think there's a tangible link between that and this. All right, but I mean. Uh, so- when he was so when the nine explained that you know it was the very first TARDIS, I immediately thought it maybe there's some sort of connection with Omega, which does I suppose you could actually say well that doesn't quite make sense because what Omega did was he he blew up the star which allowed the which allowed the Time Lords to harness the power of time travel, so he wouldn't necessarily be the first one to time travel. No, um, I without putting too many spoilers here also in. The Nine's character does later on get involved with some ancient stellar manipulator um, tech. Right, okay. Um, so there's another possible connection there. Right. But yeah, it felt that there was something... Yeah, so it felt like um, getting to the... Because as I said, we've only got two more episodes of the story. So it felt like the clues were finally becoming a bit more tangible to what's causing the problems in the first place. Yes, um, I feel like the, the time tantalizing. Yeah, oh, totally. I feel like the time holes from the Joe Grant story were possibly explained here. Um, mm-hmm. it, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but when the Fifth Doctor is resolving the um, the predicament at the end of the story, um, he says it might it might take a, few, a while for the holes in time to close mm-hmm. because of this um, these fractures in the vortex with Earth. So. Maybe that's the cause of the time holes in that story. Yes, that would make sense, yeah. So Jenny's quite annoyed with the Doctor for not waiting for her. <laughs> of course, um, he thought she was dead. 
Yes, yeah. Butcher mentions some of our time-sensitive um, kind of skills she's inherited. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, the Doctor's quite sceptical, isn't he, of who she, claim, who she claims to be. With the Nine and Thana, she reveals herself to be this invincible kind of being. Mm-hmm. Um, the Abway. So it's a curious kind of relationship they've got there and, and it's a curious outlook she's got on life you know um, she's obviously essentially an immortal but she's got this these selfish qualities mm-hmm. um, but she's she hasn't got this big inflated ego like the nine does you know she's happy um, going along with him and I'm wondering did she have some ulterior motive, motive possibly I don't know yeah, I'd, I would have perhaps uh, expected that. I mean, she, yeah, she, she does ha- seem to have this happy-go-lucky approach, yeah. which makes sense, given that nothing seems to be able to kill yeah. her. And yeah, she is quite um, selfish. And yeah, that there's a thing of... Um, she seems to be very much in it for herself. Yes. Yeah. I found the moment interesting when she was happy for everyone on the cruiser to die um then and for the ship to ship to be destroyed possibly um mm-hmm. and she said oh well she'll be fine she'll survive but she's she's in flight in the vortex <laughs> that's probably not the best yeah. place to be floating around back with the doctor and jenny she sniffs the doctor and says he's five maybe six bodies younger a reference to both the numerical count between the fifth and the tenth doctor and also yeah. the inclusion of the War Doctor. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought, yeah, I picked up on that, and I thought that was a nice way to, to cover up, um, to yeah, to cover to cover that thing up. Yes. So yeah, uh, that was quite a quite a nice line. Of course, if she exclusively just said six bodies younger, you know, people mm-hmm. that aren't thinking of the War Doctor maybe counting that on the fingers, thinking, "Hang on a minute," <laughs> but yeah, it's nice yeah. to cover both bases there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Jenny's made sonic keys. Yes, uh, which again I thought was uh, quite quite a nice idea because we've had, you know, sonic screwdriver, laser screwdriver, um, sonic lipstick. Yes. Um, laser screwdriver? Or did you just say that? Yeah, yeah I just. Said I wasn't that, yeah. listening. I was too busy thinking. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'll try, I'll try to be more interesting. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I am right. interested. Thana gets to see the Nine's TARDIS. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what that looks like. Um, Jenny later gets to see the Fifth Doctor's TARDIS and she's quite underwhelmed. Um, she was planning to steal part of the Time Cruiser. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's clearly willing to steal. Yeah, there's a lot of kleptomaniacs in this story. Yes. Um, I mean, although the Doctor did steal his TARDIS, so there's a bit of a correlation there between the two characters. Yeah, that's true. However... He stole the TARDIS from a junkyard. She's trying to ditch the passengers <laughs> and steal and steal the flight deck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that's quite. Yeah, that is quite different and uh, potentially lethal. Yeah. Yes, and also when the passengers of the ship are dying because of the nature of who the passengers are, you know, they're not not these very nice people. Jenny's willing to let them die. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's that. I don't know. Make of that what you will. Yeah. But it's nice they don't um they don't just try to make her character a mirror image of the doctor. 
I no, that, yeah, that, yeah, exactly, yeah. And of course, the passengers on this ship, they're all a bunch of snobs, and their struggle in this story is kind of put through this one character <laughs> who's kind of um, ranting on to the captain. <laughs> yeah, and he's... God, for God, yeah. Oh, what the poor uh, man yeah. wants is some canopy. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and his coffee's cold. And he doesn't think it's right that the crew gets to disembark first. <laughs> yeah, I was with him on that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, yeah, I'm sorry, but he does have a point. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So yes, I did. Agree. Yeah, I totally agreed with them on that score. Yeah, it's like you've been on, you're on an airplane that's about to crash, and it's full of parachutes, and the the, the crew was saying, "Wheel ditch first, <laughs> you follow." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but of course, um, commercial airliners don't have parachutes. I think that that would be my luggage that I'd take on. You know, your hand luggage. Can you take a parachute on? Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> Seems like the essential thing. <laughs> of course, you'd have that predicament of um, ditch leaving everyone behind, wouldn't you? <laughs> so long. <laughs> well, yeah, but then you could argue it's like, well, it's not my fault you didn't prepare. Yeah. And what if you're saying that to a loved one that you're travelling with? You know? <laughs> Should have brought a parachute. <laughs> not my fault I married an idiot. See ya. <laughs> There's a, it just reminds me there's a, there's an episode of um, Blake Seven in series three, and there's a bit where it looks like the Liberator is going to um, get destroyed, yeah, because it's being pulled through a black hole, and Avon's trying to get into a um, a spacesuit in order to escape, and Tarrant um, stops him and then is saying, uh, "If we all go, we all go together." And then Avon says, "Well, if there's a slim chance for one of us to survive, I will take it." And I was just like, "I've never understood. I just want to deck Tarrant at that." It's like, "Why? Why does everyone have to die?" Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. Surely you you would insist someone goes. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you yeah. would want some, <laughs> want someone to survive. So yeah, I always remember that. It's just uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it just reminded me of that. No, no, yeah. People have strange points of view. I guess we just got to respect that. <laughs> I respect your point of view, but I'm leaving. <laughs> See you there. <laughs> yeah, it's all very well respecting someone's point of view, but if it's going to get you killed, then I'm sorry, but they can sort right off. So the Nine is desperate to capture something in his TARDIS um, of this explosion in the vortex, these fractures, and he learns that um, they're all fractures of Earth's history. Mm-hmm. So... This um this element of something being linked to Earth that's new to us, isn't it? Hasn't been referenced yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of that will probably come to light soon. Um, the Vortisaurs um begin to attack. Are you familiar with the Vortisaurs? Oh no, I thought I, I, I thought this was just an invention of the story. Is that not the case? Um, no. Um, but as soon as the Vortisaurs arrived, I realised that. I knew the fate of the ship because um, I've already listened to a story where the ship's been destroyed. It is the first ever Eighth Doctor story, Storm Warning. Ah, oh, hang on. So the ship in this story is the ship in Storm Warning? Yes. Um, I'll play a clip of that now if we want to check that out. Mm-hmm. Incredible. A time ship crashing, 
And again. And again. It's caught in a glitch in space-time, hiccuping through its last moments forever. What a terrible way to never die. Oh no, Vortisor swarming to pick over the debris. Get away from there, you vultures! Leave that wreck in peace! It's no use. Unless... Yes, if I can just spin the TARDIS a little closer. That's right, shoo, shoo! Back to whatever wormhole you crawled out of. So, I'm pretty sure that is the same ship. It would be an awful, like, a strange coincidence if it wasn't. No, I think, uh, I mean, that's really interesting. I, I think it's probably clear that it is. Because this story was created to celebrate 20 years of Big Finish. And there are ties into previous stories and um, some of the spin-offs that they've done. Yes. It uh, makes you think what other connections are there that we're not aware of, yeah. Yeah, there's probably loads. Uh, but yeah, okay, so this that's very interesting. Yeah, so I think it's a safe bet that this ties into Storm Warning. And the Vortisaurs um, have appeared, of course, in McGann's first series. And also in his first series of the new Eighth Doctor Adventures with Sheridan Smith, there's an episode called No More Lies. And they do crop up in that. Ah, right, okay. But they're essentially, they look like pterodactyls. They kind of live in space. And the Doctor used to ride them bareback at the Academy. Ah, <laughs> right, okay. So the Nine starts looting the space cruiser, doesn't he? And Thana kind of convinces him to start working on a solution instead. So she's kind of the voice and re- voice of reason here, mm-hmm. um, keeping the story on track. That's another reason that made me think maybe she was a siren, kind of being a bit man- manipulative. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, f- I bet her character's cropped up in another big finished story that I'm not aware of. <laughs> I'm trying to make more of it than it is. Yeah, you never know. The captain of the space cruiser kind of warms to the Doctor very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, almost how a lot of other characters do, maybe just for a bit of plot convenience. You know, um, <laughs> people just um, kind of relate to the Doctor and he, he assumes authority and um, people just accept it, don't they? <laughs> yes, yeah. All too often. But she's very smart. She accepts, um, well, of course, the, the Doctor and the Nine's help. Yeah. Jenny seems very clued up when she explains the slow time explosion. Do you think she's got this inherited understanding um, from the Doctor? It's possible. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that idea. I think my preference would be it's simply because all the adventures that she's gone on on her own since uh, the end of The Doctor's Daughter. She's encountered certain things and has learnt them. Um, I would like to think that, you know, this is knowledge that she's learned over her adventures. But yeah, there's a possibility that that, that some of that knowledge was um, you know, was sort of yes. inherited in some form. But of course she could be educated just like River Song was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, I like when the Doctor gives flight instructions to Jenny, like she's driving a car. You know, ease off on the clutch. <laughs> it is how I expect a dad would be, you know, teaching the daughter how to drive. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Thana brings the Vortisaur into the Nine's vault. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that um, crops up later on. Yeah, that yeah, I'd be surprised if it doesn't. I mean, given that you know you've got these big t- time riding dinosaurs in your in your TARDIS, <laughs> yes. and nothing happens with them. 
So, yeah, that's got to tie in somewhere. Yeah. Another one of my favourite scenes is um, when Jenny goes into the TARDIS for the first time. And, you know, she connects with the TARDIS. Um, the TARDIS is clearly aware of who Jenny is. And in the episode The Doctor's Daughter, the TARDIS kind of homed in on her, didn't it? When we see the Doctor's hand in the jar lighting up. So either in kind of a non-linear sense, the, the TARDIS could have remembered her from its own future... Mm-hmm. Um, or perhaps the telepathic connection between Jenny and the TARDIS now um, was enough to convince the TARDIS. Um, uh, but yeah, it's curious. Yeah, that's interesting. I think probably what it is, is it, I think it could be explained. It's actually in a sort of like an amalgamation of both, and that's that 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 loop yes. that it managed. It reacts to uh, to Jenny because it recognizes who she is because the, the TARDIS is able to see through all all of time. And then, and then later on, makes a point of taking the Doctor in the Doctor's daughter to you know how that's established why the TARDIS lands there in the first place. Yes, we definitely got a sense in the Doctor's wife that the TARDIS um, was definitely a you know it's, it's a fourth dimensional being who who um, does not quite have the same grasp on a linear sense that, that we do. You know, and the with mm-hmm. she'd archived thirty console rooms that haven't happened yet. Kind of yes, thing. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I think this was enough to convince the doctor at this moment in the TARDIS. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was he was he was warming to her as uh, through her character uh, yeah. in terms of her personality, uh, but there was still that question of you know, is what she's saying true? It doesn't seem likely. Maybe it is. Don't know. Um, but yes, I think that that was probably the the moment where he goes, yeah, um, yeah, maybe she is telling the truth and not talking a whole load of dribble. Yes, and apparently she's fully capable of flying the TARDIS. Um, possibly she just learnt in this instant. You know, maybe the TARDIS taught her telepathically. It it did it did the same for River in Let's Kill Hitler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we'll learn that it's this end of the world cruise. And Donna's trying to justify letting all the passengers die, and of course, Jenny agrees. Um, and of course, the Doctor doesn't agree, and so the Jenny recalls the Doctor as the man who never would, um, referencing the Doctor's daughter. That yes, scene uh, with the gun. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little reference. Uh, I quite liked that. It was uh, very nicely done. Um, the Doctor decides to tackle the nine head on you know cut off um what he's doing and use a time ram um but the tardis senses what's coming and refuses has the tardis ever refused to do anything before to your recollection um i can't think of an immediate one i think i've got i've got a suspicion it has but i cannot think of a specific example I know the TARDIS tried to shake off Jack in Utopia, but that's mm-hmm. not quite the same. That wasn't refusing to do something. That was just um, trying to get away from something. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got a, a sneaking suspicion that there has there has been um, a case, but I can't, I can't think of another example, unfortunately. So where uh, Jenny does quite a selfless act and goes out onto the flight deck to save the people. 
do you think she would have done this before she'd met the fifth doctor or do you think um she's come to a turning point where she's she's become becoming more selfless i think probably when certain there seemed to, well if you look at the doctor's daughter it could be argued that that selflessness was was there i mean she deliberately places herself uh in front of the doctor when it looks like he's just about to get get shot yes uh so there is that element but obviously she's there's that family connection and this is a turning point because this is being selfless for the sake of people she doesn't know who she was uh, willing to let die a few moments later yeah yeah that's true yeah so i think yes actually thinking about it yeah this probably is a turning point yeah. uh, and is in relation to her reaction to the fifth doctor yeah the doctor's resolution to um well his plan to stop the nine was to simply get in his way and tackle him head on um mm. it seemed like a bit of a too much of a quick easy fix not not a very technical one um but i guess this was only a a short one part story um mm-hmm. they couldn't fit something too tricky in there uh, were you happy with this resolution that you had uh yes i was uh for reasons i'll, I'll go on later but yeah i quite like the I quite like the fact it was a, uh, it was a non-technical and um, it 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 didn't it didn't drag the story on. Yes, yeah. Um, and of course, the nine and Thana decide to escape. Of course, he's reluctant to do so, but they escape the events to live another day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Jenny and the crew and the passengers are safe back in normal space. Mm-hmm. Albeit without their memories. And of course, the Doctor gets cut off from Jenny, tragically. Um, and like you were saying earlier, he's he's becoming more accepting of Jenny. And regardless of whether or not she is his daughter, um, because of who she is and her personality, um, he's grew to accept her that way, which is quite nice. Yes, and I liked how... Um... Because in, in some respects, it felt, you know, again, comparing it to how it was written in The Doctor's Daughter, the, the whole thing of the Doctor um, coming to terms with Jenny being his daughter was, was in compared to what Matt Fitton, how Matt Fitton has written it here, uh, felt a bit sort of clunky. Whereas Matt Fitton here, in relative of time, it feels a lot more smoother. Um, I thought the... Yeah, I thought the way that the Doctor comes to turn with Jenny was uh, was a bit more deftly written here. It fits in with the nature of the Fifth Doctor, doesn't it? Yes, very, yeah, yeah, very much so. Totally. I think I want to go back and watch more Davison stuff. Yeah, I'll, um, yeah, I love the uh, the Peter Davison era. I think, yeah. um, there's so what... much I've um, I've hardly seen. You know, a few things I've only ever seen once, and um, there's only a, a select few stories that I've probably re- rewatched to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But not not its entirety, no. Mm-hmm. No, I love it, and um, yeah, it's a, it's. A, I mean, I've always enjoyed it, but it's a it's a period of the show's history that I, I tend to warm to as as time's going on, and it does contain some of my all time favourites. You know, it's got the visitation in there, Earthshock's a, a good story. Um, I have a, a tremendous soft spot for Ark of Infinity. Yes, um, the Awakening, I think, is a very much underrated Doctor Who story, uh, and actually. The King's Demons, I think, is probably one of my most watched Doctor Who stories. 
Um, okay. Yeah, uh, I enjoy that one a lot. Oddly enough, my most rewatched was probably <laughs> Warriors of the Deep. <laughs> we'll get into that another time. Um, oh, and possibly yeah. <laughs> Castrovalva is probably one of my favourites. Oh, yes. Love Castrovalva. Yes. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. And I love the whole, the depth of the TARDIS, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's got it's got a, quite a bit of scope to it. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. Mm-hmm. So are we on to a conclusion for the episode? Yeah, actually, yeah, because I, th- I think we've pretty much covered... Yeah, we've covered yeah. everything, haven't we? That's yeah. the end. Roll credits. That's the end, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No no post-credit scene this time. It was just no. in Lies and Ruins. Mm-hmm. I sit through it. I sit through every episode this week now, just waiting to see what's the end. I feel like um, sitting through the end credits of a Marvel movie and finding out <laughs> there's nothing. All <laughs> oh, right. No, I, do, I always do that, but that's, you know, because I've got to listen to the, the, the theme tune, so... Yes. <laughs> I love having the variety of theme tunes in this box set, though. It's pretty cool. Yes, yeah, I agree with that. It's, um, I mean, with um, Split Infinitive, it was brilliant hearing the uh, the McCoy era. Yes, theme totally. and the sacrifice of Joe Grant. It was nice to see that. Yeah, and then and then coming to this, hearing the the Davison theme, it was uh, yeah, yeah. It has been good. I wonder which theme we'll get next week. Um, because we've had what. We've had the Trial of the Time Lord theme was pretty unique, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, I hope it's that. I, I do yes. love the Trial of the Time Lord uh, theme tune. I do really like that. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Time will tell. It always does. Yeah. <laughs> do we shoehorn that in every episode? No, but I think I think we should. Should do, yeah. But whether we do or not, time will tell. <laughs> it always does. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then the, and then the listeners totally get into a drinking game. Yes. <laughs> Sounds cool. So, um, yeah, what they should do is, right, every time I mention Blake 7, they have to down a shot of vodka. And every time we we, we, we mention that quote from Moments of the Daleks, maybe a shot of whiskey or something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, what do you think? So we need a list of things the listeners need to have on hand before the start of each episode. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 A Doctor Who drinking game, though, that's cool. <laughs> So, straight to the point, out of 10. Whew, do you want to go first, or should I? I'll let you go first. Okay. So, The Doctor's Daughter, I rated 7 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Not because it was terrible, but because there's some far superior episodes in that se- in that series. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't give The Doctor's Daughter a 6, because that is quite a poor rating. Um, and for the exact same reasons, I'm giving... Relative time, a seven out of ten. All oh, right, okay. That's um, a, yeah, that, that's a, uh, well, that's quite a good score. Yeah. Um, right for me, what it is is that so we made some comparisons to the Doctor's Daughter, and like you, I gave it seven out of ten because I thought it was a good, enjoyable story, um, one that I'll happily rewatch, and and then in comparison with. Uh, with this, Relative Time has some really nice ideas in it and Matt Fitton's uh, writing is actually quite deft. Uh, he's clearly a very good writer and there are moments of subtlety which the Doctor's Daughter doesn't have. Um, you know, in comparison, the Doctor's Daughter sort of, um, you know, with its themes and what it's trying to do with the characters and so on, is a bit, a bit of sort of like a sledgehammer to the face. Um, but having said that, though, 
Relative Time was a story that I thought was okay. The, the, the overall thing. As I said, there are, the, there are things in it that I like. There are good ideas about it. And it was, you know, quite, in, you know, relatively enjoyable to, to listen to. But I'm afraid I've got to give it a six. A six? Wow, okay. Yeah. And like I, I said that... before, six is a bad score. <laughs> well, uh, well, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not trying to guilt you or anything. <laughs> well, I think, you see, because in my mind, it's uh, the way, like, f- five's obviously average. Five, five out of ten is, you know, it's just bog standard okay. Six out of ten, it's it's marginally better than that. So I don't think it's as harsh as, as how you probably go, six is bad, wow. Um, I, but yeah, what I'm... But then having said that, I'm saying it's marginally better than average. Um, and I, what it is, it's... it's a, it, was a, it was a good story, but I won't... I won't be rushing back to re-listen to it. Whereas with The Sacrifice of Joe Grant and The Split Infinitive and Lies and Ruins, I'll quite happily go back and listen to those. Totally. But even, with, but even without that comparison, uh, just in of itself, it's sort of like I've listened to it, it, it was fine to go along with the ride, but uh, I thought it was, you know, uh, uh, an okay to good story. And it was, you know, fine. As I said, there were, there were good bits in it. Um, but, yeah... Uh, it's, it's strange because there's elements where it's improved on the the, um, the doctor's daughter, which we gave yeah. a seven out of ten. Yes. Um. But I couldn't justify giving it an eight. It's strange, yeah. Yeah, and I think what it is is because actually, what it is is that the doctor's daughter I find a much more easier watch. Yes. Compared to relative times, it um, I find it a mo- I find the doctor's daughter more enjoyable. Yeah. Well, the, the, the title relative time do you think it has a, a bit of a meta meaning because they're relatives yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah the relatives well. and it's about time <laughs> you know what it reminded me of you know there's uh, I forgot which episode it is but there's a, there's a bit in, there's an episode of Red Dwarf where they're talking about the theory of relativity and what's the name of the computer Holly Oh yes, he says, I love this. Like he says, yeah, he just goes, you know, uh, <laughs> it's a theory that you only tell to your relatives. Yes, tough <laughs> uh, little joke, but it does make me chuckle. So it reminds me of that. So yeah, I'm afraid it's it's sort of like it's 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 a good story, but it's not uh, it's not one that um, I find that exciting, you know, that exciting to listen to. It, it was fine. That's why it was it was quite nice to begin with when when you were reading the Facebook comments. We had, I think, it was the wise doctor. You said. Who, who really the wise doctor. Oh, age. was that? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, yeah say it right. <laughs> but he was saying, uh, you know, for, for him, I'm assuming it's a him. Uh, it's a him it, the, the, the the profile picture was Paul McGann. I don't know if it actually is Paul. <laughs> wow, it was Paul McGann. Is that right? Okay. He doesn't even like his own episode. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, so uh, anyway, when when they were saying that that uh, relative time is their favorite episode, and for the reasons I th- that was really nice to listen to, uh, it was it was quite nice that someone you know has got a great deal of enjoyment out, out of this episode, so that's yes. quite nice. Um, I wish I got that level of enjoyment out of it myself, um, but you know it, it was it was decent. It you know it was good, but yes, for me the 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 other episodes that we've listened to I think were, were far better in my opinion, but yeah. We'll see how the others fare out. 
I've got to quote. I'm going to say it again. I know I had to resist there. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're, God. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um. So I think that wraps it up. Um. I did find something interesting out that I told Liam about earlier in the week. Uh, I've got an Amazon Echo Dot, and I just asked it to play the Cloisterbell podcast, and it did. So that was pretty cool. Alexa, play the Cloisterbell podcast. Here's Doctor Who, Cloisterbell, from TuneIn. Resuming Cloisterbell 036, the Doctor's daughter. Alexa. Stop. You've got to be firm with her. <laughs> For the love of God, stop. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's quite good that you can uh, you can listen to it on that. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. So if you've got an if you've got Alexa on any device, that's cool. Oh, she's listening. I've said her name. Shut up. <laughs> stop listening. So nosy, jeez. Yeah. Uh, but yes, if 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 you've got Alexa, I can say it because I don't have one. Uh, if, if you've got Alexa, you can you can listen to us on that. So, so, so that's that's quite good. Very good, yeah. Um, and you've got something in the post today, didn't you? Oh yes. Um, so th- it, I've mentioned it on the uh, on the Close Bell Twitter. Yeah. I've also done an unboxing box set, which is on uh, on, on our YouTube channel. Um, yes, I I I got season twenty three, the Trial of a Time Lord, uh, Trial of a Time Lord on Blu Ray box set. Woo-hoo. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Does it yeah. squeeze inside your tin? No, it would no, take a bit of force in. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll get a saw to it <laughs> and, uh, and and make sure that it fits into the into the TARDIS tin. Brilliant. Yes. Oh, the but that would mean yeah. And then I'll put the VHSs in the, the bin. Blu-rays. Yeah, just just <laughs> on oh, the bin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, chuck them in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I've already watched uh, the first two episodes of uh, of it, and um, you know, it does look great. And I, the the model shot, which the famous model shot, which opens up on episode one, uh, looks even better than ever. I was worried it was going to look worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it still looks absolutely fantastic. But uh, yeah, does the fact that it looks looks fantastic make the rest look even worse? Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, it's the first time I've ever watched the trial of a time. I don't get me wrong; I, you know, I am enjoying it, but um, it is the first time I've watched it and going, "Oh my god, the sets look so cheap." Yes, um, there's there's a brilliant one of the um, they've got um, deleted um, scenes and location footage and all the rest of it, and it begins with a brilliant. It's just it does crack me up. It's uh, it's the moment when uh, the TARDIS has just landed. The Doctor comes out uh, of the TARDIS, and you know how he then goes up the stairs. Yes. And op- right. So he goes to open the doors, and the door handle falls off in his hand. <laughs> they should have kept that in. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they should have. But uh, Colin Baker just sort of like creases over and laps his head off, and then just turns to the camera. He's just it just looks like a massive pole. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, I think it's in one of the Terence Dicks books. I don't remember which one. But it does revisit this um, this space station. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure um, in this expanded story that he's wrote, it was a, it was a human outpost um, that had been abandoned at the Time Lords had taken over. 
Oh, right, okay. Um, if you'd like to believe that. Mm-hmm. No, I suppose it's, a, it's an interesting story. Um, it also doesn't idea. really make sense why are the Time Lords here? Why did they have a link to the Matrix on some space station? Why is it on, not on Gallifrey? Um, maybe it has to do with the nature of the trial. Yeah, that's that's, that's how I've always explained it. Because, yeah, it doesn't fully make sense. But the way I've always reasoned it was because... Um, the trial is supposed to be secret, mm. uh, in a sense, you know, th- keeping it from prying eyes because the Doctor discovered something that the Time Lords did, which wasn't particularly good. Um, so have it on this, having it on this outpost, mm. way out of Gallifrey. Uh, yeah, that's the way I've sort of reasoned it. We had planned to revisit Trial by now, hadn't we? <laughs> <laughs> things just don't work out no no th- well the plan was that we were actually going to revisit the trial of a time lord uh but then the box set got uh, th- but then the box set got pushed back and we thought well that sort of clashed with other ideas that we had so yeah unfortunately yes. i haven't got around to doing it at some point we will we will be reviewing the mammoth that is the the trial of a time lord so we will be looking at it but um a bit later than we had initially planned yes um one day. Um, Liam had mentioned earlier that we're going to revisit The Woman Who Fell to Earth next week. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing this for two reasons. It's the first anniversary of Series 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's also... Okay, now Siri's listening to me too. And Alexa, this is worrying. Okay. They need Please to stop it... saying their names. <laughs> and it's also the first anniversary of the Cloisterbell podcast. Yes, it is. Uh, we've been doing this for a year, which uh, it's gone really—it's gone incredibly quick, and it's been quite nice that um, you know we, we've got um, a solid listening base. You know, we've got um, some some fans, and the listener uh, the listenership is is on the up. Yes. So yes, uh, we'll be looking at the um, the woman who fell to earth and reviewing that and seeing if our opinions on it have, have changed yes. at all within within the. Uh, yeah, so we're essentially remaking the first ever podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know if the quality or the experience has improved <laughs> over time, but we'll see. <laughs> time, time will tell. <laughs> oh, I've, don't say it. it. Always, don't say oh, it. Okay, no, okay. I nearly did. Okay, I've already. <laughs> the listeners can't have that drink because yeah. we didn't finish the quote. <laughs> well, it does seem like a while, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. <laughs> Time will tell. No, it doesn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> Books do that. Do you think we'll make it another year? Well, Rob. Time will... Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, yes, uh, hopefully. Uh, it's a very good response, that, that statement, isn't it? It kind of applies to any question. I'm going to start saying it at work. <laughs> Just what? dropping it. Uh, yeah, yeah, time will tell. <laughs> Everyone will be like, he always does say that. <laughs> and we're sick of hearing it. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It is one of those quotes that you could easily just drop into everyday conversation and it just sound like it's normal. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> is, there any, is there any like really obscure Doctor Who quotes that you could... Um, you could drop into a conversation. Shall I go get my Doctor Who quote book? All right, yeah, go on. Right, hold on. You um, keep the listeners busy. I'll be one minute. All right, okay. I suppose it would be quite interesting to see if you could drop in 
about uh, typical instances from separate epistopic interfaces of the spectrum and drop that into a conversation. I'm back. And it's about Don't, time. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> so I'm holding here a book called Wit, Wisdom and Timey Wimey Stuff. Okay. Uh, the quotable Doctor Who by Kevin Scott and Mark Wright. It's got some cool illustrations in, but it's full of quotes from Doctor Who. Um, there is an index, and you can pick the character or the story. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. I'll just pick a page at random. Pick a number. Uh, 72. 72. I dated a nesting duplicate once. Swappable head. It did keep things fresh. <laughs> right. So you've got to try and work that into a conversation at work. Fear makes companions of all of us. Is that... <laughs> That's the first Doctor, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, fear makes companions of us all. Uh, mm. Okay, pick another number. Uh, 32. 32. Oh, he some good things to say at work. Um, you clumsy, ham-fisted idiot. You've been down here so long that you're beginning to think like worms. <laughs> oh my god, say that at work, that's going to make people a dear. <laughs> it's going, oh, he's lovely. Don't listen to him. It's just the ravings of a demented space tramp. <laughs> What's that? It's from Creature from the Pit. <laughs> Oh, that's absolutely fantastic. I think that's probably the best one. (laughs) (laughs) This is a two-sided one, but... I don't like your tone, sir. And I don't like your face, nor your hair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Uh, What's that from? Tenth Planet. And one more to finish it off. Harry Sullivan is an imbecile. Oh, yes. That's a classic. Yes. <laughs> what not to say at work. Well, thank you for listening. Hopefully, we'll be back next week with an anniversary special at some point. Yes, uh, so have a look out for that. Until then, bye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.